Hello and welcome to the Heat Check Podcast, the Miami Herald's Miami Heat Podcast. I'm David Wilson. I'm joined, as always, on the other line from Boston, Anthony Chang, our Heat Beat writer here at the Herald. Anthony, what's going on? Wild game there, David. Yeah, um, you know, like how I always say from beautiful wherever you are, but Boston, just Boston. I, I like that. I like I that. I say that as someone who's never been to Boston. You've never been? Never oh, been. Fun. You got you got to make it out here. Um, yeah. yeah, that was that was. I, it's crazy the swings of an NBA season, and we have seen that in the last week. Um, I think see that in this podcast because the second <laughs> half of this episode is going to be uh, a segment Anthony and I recorded. Uh, was that Tuesday? I guess so. By then, you know they they won that that Kings game, but but we obviously talked a lot about what happened in the last week. But you know we are four days ago. This team was on a four game losing streak, the worst losing streak of the season. They had gotten killed by the Nets. They had. Uh, gotten killed by the the Warriors with none of their guys playing, basically. They blew a 17-point lead to the Knicks without Julius Randle. They lost a game to the Sixers uh, without anyone but Tyrese Maxey, basically. Um, And now we're we're sitting here talking now, uh, again, like I said, like less than a week removed from most of that. And he got probably their best win of the season uh, Wednesday night in Boston. Um you know, really like a dogfight, right? Like, never was the game ever separated until the very end by more than, like, six points, I don't think. Yeah. Um, Early in the second half, the Heat went on that big run to go up, like, by 11, but that was it. Boston, yeah. And Boston made their own run and went up, like, by five. So, yeah, it was, like, within five and six most of the night. Yeah. And it was, like, you know, uh, those, these two teams are two of the best defensive teams in the league. Yeah, it was definitely, like, had that kind of defensive struggle feel for most of, for the most part. I don't think the teams, the teams wound up with – Decent enough shooting percentages, I think, but uh, a lot of tough, tough makes, a lot of Jimmy Butler mid-range, a lot of, you know, Max Strews hit some big threes, and obviously we got, we got to talk about his defense. Um, the thing I liked about this Heat game, I, I tweeted this, is, you know, we, we get so caught up in talking about the stars, because that's how the NBA works. Um, but this Heat team is really at its best when, like, Jimmy doesn't have to be the guy for all 48 minutes when when they, you know when, when they can kind of take turns that that's what it was tonight right Jimmy hit some some bailout mid range jumpers Bam was was awesome but it's not like he had to carry a big scoring load um, you know Kyle Lowry did his thing Struce hit some big shots here and there uh, obviously Tyler um, you know hits tough shots but it, it was not a game where you just picked out one guy who won the game for them there, there were really. Like it was a collective effort, and that that's what this Heat team needs to do. They need to get back to it, and that, and we saw it tonight. I think as well as they've done it all year. Yeah, and I I really want to make a point of Kyle Lowry just because yeah. he was, you know, guys have been asking him to be more aggressive all year, um, and he always said, you know, I'm going to be more aggressive when it counts, and I'm just kind of filling things out, and don't worry. He proved that he was not lying tonight. Yeah. Um, took 16 shots, 12 threes. Um, that, you know, those threes coming off the of screens, he was passing up on so many of those, those pull-up threes coming off the of screens where he's been open most of the season. He mm-hmm. just hasn't taken many. Um, and he took them tonight, and it makes a big difference. I asked Bam after the game, like, what that does for the offense, and he said, now the big has to step up, and then I can get into the pocket, and um, it gives me more space. So we're seeing Kyle recently be more aggressive. Tonight was kind of the – culmination of this aggressive streak he's shown lately and I think you know I think the hope is that continues in the playoffs but that was big tonight 23 points again on six uh, six of 12 uh, shooting from three 
Um, that opens up a lot for this offense. So, you know, they, they've talked about space a lot in recent days and creating space offensively with different lineups. You can create space by Kyle Lowry taking, you know, 10 threes a game because now teams are going to have to really respect that even more than they usually do if he's going to be that aggressive. So I thought that was a really important yeah. – uh, that's been a really important development, you know, for the last few days. Yeah, you get that. You get obviously you got to guard Tyler uh, at the perimeter, and then whether it's Struess or, or Duncan or you know whoever those guys, you, or even if they're struggling, they're, they're guys you have to guard, and, and that's a ton of space. Then it, we've we've talked about it a lot, kind of all season long. The the way this Heat team and their two best players are, are non shooters, uh, that is how you have to build it. And the fact that those two guys are both really good like mid range players. Um, you know, it, like you said, they get, let's Bam get into the pocket. Bam is, you know, he's still not a, a back-to-the-basket, low-block guy, right? He's at his best when he can operate from that elbow. And, and that little bit of space that, um, that, well, like you said, when Kyle shoots and it has brings the big up, it lets Bam get to that space. And then so whether it's Bam or, or Jimmy in that elbow mid-range area, they, they can obviously hit that shot. Um, but they're also so good at creating out of that that location, getting to other three points. Like there's there's a lot. The the Kyle just having that that one more shooter that that you need to have three shooting threats, um, and then it lets those those two big guys, those two forwards, be able to create in the way that I, I think suits them best. And yeah, you, you definitely saw that tonight. Yeah, and then obviously yeah. the, you you mentioned it, the defense um, tonight. Yeah, I mean, I mean that that was that is the standout to me. Like obviously yeah. the offense was was good, but it was good enough. Yeah, yeah, for for both. And these are like I said, two of the best defensive teams in the league. Like if these two play in the playoffs, that's what every game is gonna look like. Basically, like first to one oh six wins or something. Yeah. It, 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 that's just the way that um, it, it felt like a playoff game tonight. It really, it really did. It really, I mean, Boston has a top defense in the NBA. They've had a top defense in the NBA for weeks now. Um, and the Heat have been top five around there most of the season. They're number four now. Um, so, yeah, these, this is a game between two of the top four defenses in the NBA. I mean, it's kind of what you expect. But the Heat's defense on the stretch, I know Boston missed a few layups, a few shots at the rim. But, I mean, they turned it up a notch. They held uh, Tatum to two points in the fourth quarter. Two points in the fourth quarter. The Bo- Boston scored six points in the final seven minutes of the game. Max Struess had two blocks and took a charge, took a charge. <laughs> in the last four minutes or whatever it was. Maybe even like less than yeah. that, like three minutes. Yeah, it's it's just and it's interesting because Max hasn't closed a lot of games this season. Um, even as a starter, which he started in the last two games, you don't mm-hmm. really think he's going to close games. I mean, Duncan was a starter for most of the season. He didn't close yeah. many games. Usually, it's PJ Tucker. Um, they went with Max Struess. On the stretch, Max, Tyler, and then the you know the big three of of Kyle, Bam, and Jimmy. Um, you just really see, and we're going to talk about this a lot in the second part of this podcast. But it was another kind of just uh, example of what this Heat team is trying to do here down the stretch with their like these new lineups, this, this new rotation of just playing smaller, putting more shooting on the floor. Um, and I think Max, I think the reason Max is getting more playing time now is. Yes, he can shoot. He can space the floor just like Duncan, but we saw that he can do a little bit more too. And yeah, he's a better two-way guy than, than Duncan. Yes, now. is he the best defender on the court? Is he even above average defender on the above average defender? I don't even know. But he he could block a shot. He took you know block two shots on the stretch. He had, I think he had a couple. He's thirty. Steals. He moves his feet pretty yeah. well. He rebounds. He's a big body. He has seven rebounds. Yeah. He had a couple of big rebounds on you know late in the game. So. Um, 
it's again, this is all evolving, and I don't know if this is going to be in the playoff rotation in a, a couple games because it's changed so much recently. But um, it's been working pretty well these last two, um, and and the defense again down the stretch was really really impressive. Yeah, well, it was also it was just also a night where PJ Tucker was not particularly good. I didn't think. Um, Couple bad turnovers. You know, he's obviously his shooting percentage, which I think we talked about in the second half here, has it, from three has tailed off a lot. And um, you know, and Boston, well, you know, in a defensive struggle like that, it's sometimes a chess match of like, can you move? Like, can you put that extra piece where you're not sacrificing your defense and you're just getting that little bit of offensive juice, right? Because you know, like a guy like Marcus Smart. You can kind of not hide a guy on him because he's obviously got the ball in his hands a lot. But like when a team is as defensive minded as Boston is, there there are ways where you can you know you can hide Tyler Hero a little bit. You can not hide Struce. Struce is right in the middle of all the action, but you don't feel like he's going to get picked on. Right, right. Um, you know because because he's not going to guard Jason Tatum or Jalen Brown really. Right, like you're going to see sometimes going to help on those guys, but you're good enough defensively that you have. You know, you have Jimmy or Bam guard those guys. Um, you know, obviously Kyle Lowry can guard guys too. All of those, those two are a little big, probably for him. Um, but you know, Kyle is the best post defender in the NBA. Yes, I mean that's true. That's true. Nobody can players though. You have him guard Daniel Tice. Yes, because, uh, <laughs> that's his that's his wheelhouse. It's unmo- uh, he's unmovable. He cannot be back. Like I love watching guys try to back him down. I was decided is kind of a change of topic, but I love watching guys back him down. Al Horford did it today. You cannot yeah. move him. Like, it is a trap. I've yeah, never, it's, it's, I think James Harden's the same way, right, where, like, people try to back him down, but it's, like, actually, like, the one thing defensively he's really good at. And obviously Kyle Lowry's a great defensive player. Yeah. not just that. But, yeah, it's, it's funny because he's six feet tall or whatever, but he's, right. like, also six he's feet a, wide, it feels like, yeah. most of the time. He's sturdy as a rock, yeah, yeah. Um also, should we mention he clinched a playoff spot? Not that that was ever in yeah. doubt, but first team in the Eastern Conference to clinch a playoff spot. So this is like, this, it threw me off, and I was like looking at the um, I was looking just like at the standings, like why is no one clinched? And I realized it's because you have to be top six now, right? Exactly. Um, but yeah, obviously, still a big deal, and a reminder that you know the Heat are kind of back in. You know, they got a tough schedule here the rest of the way, right? Um, especially a, a bunch of road games coming up. Uh, Chicago uh, over the weekend, um, but they're in pole position to, to get the top spot in the East. And you know, again, this, the Nets look like they're headed for that play-in, so maybe that's not ideal. But you'd also rather be probably eight than seven right now, uh, or sorry, you'd rather be one than two right now. Um, you, you know, banking on Brooklyn winning that play-in game, but yeah. um, you know, it, it obviously. It's always a good thing, as we, we've said a lot, to have the one seed. For sure, yeah, and and you know, it's not obviously there's a long there's a long way to go here, even though it's only a week and a half. But they're only one game up on Milwaukee, but they, right. they are they are in the driver. I mean, they, now they're two games up on Philly, two games up on Boston. I mean, yes, Philly and Boston could still catch the Heat, but it's unlikely now. Now it, it seems yeah, like it's between five games Milwaukee, left. Miami. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it seems like it's between Milwaukee and Miami. And yeah, if you get that one seed. Obviously, you'd rather have one than two because you would think Brooklyn's going to finish yeah, seven. Know, but yeah, safer yeah. that probably. Right, and and right now it looks like Toronto's going to finish six, so they're two games up on number seven, Cleveland. So it could be Brooklyn, Cleveland in that play-in game, and then you know you end up Miami facing Cleveland, which is an you know an injured Cavaliers team that's young. That would be 
the ideal probably scenario for the Heat. Um, yeah. So it'd be the one. The one. You know, I think they would beat Boss. I think they would beat um, Toronto or, or Chicago. Probably also. We'll obviously see what they do in Chicago. But yeah, Cleveland is the one team you look at and you're like they could get through this in five pretty easily yeah. and if because it, and of injuries and like you said they're young and. Yeah, and if it's not Cleveland, it could be. I mean, Charlotte and Atlanta right now are 9-10, so it could be one of those three teams in Brooklyn right. that first play-in game. So any of those teams, yes, I know Atlanta has made it to the conference finals last year and they have Trey Young, but I think at this point you take the one seed and you hope you face one of those three teams and, you know, the Heat should win it, you know, either of those series. Yeah, uh, just I think a topic we talked about in the second half was just like what did this week do for you, this last week of – of chaos do for you in terms of your optimism about the Heat being a, a potential finals team. Um, what did a game like this do for you uh, in terms of thinking of what this, this team's ceiling would be? Are you, are you back thinking that they are uh, a, a cut above some of these other East teams, or is it still a wide-open race at this point? I still think it's pretty wide open. I mean, yeah. in the wide I open... I think they had to win like, this and, and yeah. play... Maybe not necessarily win this, but I think winning helps a lot to prove that this last week was a blip and right. not the, not the reality for this yeah. team. Yeah, I, I think it proved, not that I ever didn't think this, um, but I think it just continues to prove that they are they can beat any team in the East. Like, they have the potential to make it to the finals. I don't think I've ever doubted that, for, you know, at least for the last, like, two or three months. Um, but I think, any, I mean, any of the top four, Heat, Milwaukee, Philly, Boston, could make the finals, and I wouldn't be shocked. Yeah, and then, and then Brooklyn, I think, also. And, oh, yeah, and then Brooklyn, and then Brooklyn too. So, yeah, any of those five teams, I, I could, I would just would not be shocked if they made the finals at this point. Um, the Heat are one of them. I mean, they. that's why you have to consider them a title contender, and you saw that tonight. Um, but I think it's going to be – that game tonight where it was back and forth, came down to the final few minutes, and the Heat had to put together an incredible defensive stretch there in the final six minutes – that's what it's going to take in the playoffs. There's going to be a lot of close games and be a lot of long series because yeah. the Heat aren't, you know, a lot better than any of these teams. And none of, and and the other side, these teams aren't a lot better than the Heat. I mean, it's pretty close as you saw. Yeah, any series involving those five teams that we talked about. I mean, you never know in the NBA with the way some like you know could Kevin Durant get insanely hot for five games and and take a team out. Yeah, of course. Like, like, right. Yeah, but. Any, pretty much any scenario you see with these five teams playing each other, most of them probably in the second round. Obviously, two of them lost to play in the first round. I, like, I'd be kind of stunned if those series don't go six, and, and, yeah. and a lot of maybe the majority of those go seven. But that's why number one seed is important, right? Because right. Yeah. it could come down, or very likely will come down to a game seven for some of those series. And if you, have the, you, have a, you, know, you get to play at home, um, it's a big deal. And the yeah. Heat would have game seven at home against each of those teams if they're the one seed. So um, that's why I continue to say I know teams, you know, they, they don't want to face Brooklyn in the first round. You don't want to take the chance. But at this point, things are so close. I think you just got to fight for that one seed and home court, you know, throughout the first four, first three rounds. All right. Any final thoughts on the Celtics game before we uh, flash backward into the past and talk about the week that, that was? Um, no, I think we covered most of it. Um, I think it's going to be a little trippy for the listener to hear our thoughts from yesterday now, but um, I hope we don't sound too wrong. It's kind of like a, um, uh, it's kind of like a, like an exception or something, like, um, a memento, it's memento. 
Yeah. It's like a Christopher Nolan movie. We're, we're playing with the timeline here. I feel like we sounded very concerned when we spoke yesterday. But we did couch everything we said with, like, if they play well against the Celtics, then all is well. Right. And they did. And they played, whether they won or lost, you know, they could have lost by two points, and I probably would have come on here and said, that was a good, like, that was a good loss. They played well. They competed. They could obviously hang with the Celtics, but ended up winning, obviously. Um, but just the way they played, win or loss, you know, obviously it matters in the standings, but I think you come away just because of a way happy because of the way they defended and the way they looked offensively at times. They, they looked like a very good offensive team during stretches um, against the top defense in the NBA. Yeah, I, I do think the win matters. It does matter, for sure. More than just for the standings, because this team, you know, they're, like we said, they're in first place in the East, but I think if you ask before tonight, if you ask most people who they thought was going to win the East, I, I think the Heat would have checked in behind yeah. the Bucks, the the Celtics, the Six. Like, the, the Heat, they're, they're, they're back to being disrespected for a little bit there after they were, like, kind of this, like, incredible story that everyone seemed to love for, for – a month and a half, two months, um, they, they're back to being disrespected, and they, they kind of prove not that they're the unquestioned top dog, but they're they're literally the top dog in the East right now, and top top dogs got to win those kind of games, and they they, they, they prove that they are yeah. still you know they they still have that edge, right? They played the Celtics. It, it, it's a long time ago now, but the bubble finals, right? These are still pretty much the same teams as they were back then. The Celtics even have Daniel Tice back. It feels like um, 10 years ago. I know, yeah. but, but like, you know, it, the Heat still has the edge, right? They haven't been taken down by the Celtics yet, and maybe maybe they'll meet in the conference finals and the Celtics will get their revenge, but for now the Heat are still, they're still the, the team to beat, not the team to beat in the entire East, I think it has to be the Bucks uh, until further notice, but, but they're still, you know, they, they've been the best team in the East for, the, for most of the season, and, and they looked like the best team in the East on Wednesday night. A week ago, we were talking about the confrontation between Spo, Jimmy, and Udonis, and now we're talking about one of the biggest wins of the season. So, um, if you like drama, this this last week was that. So, uh, yeah, I think it's obviously been a, a week of growth for the Heat, um, and this win, like you said, did matter for that reason where you want to see the changes you, know, you made work, and this was proof that they they, they have paid off, and that's important for guys to buy in um, because there are a few guys now that aren't playing, that were playing, and I'm sure there's some frustration there among some guys. Um, but as long as you're winning, you can't really complain. So I think that for that reason especially, I think this one was important. And you know it was a clutch win. Clutch win, another one. Even though they were one of the worst clutch offenses in the NBA, they continue to get clutch wins. I don't know what the numbers were in clutch time for them, but it felt like they were pretty solid offensively tonight down the stretch. And obviously they were fantastic defensively down the stretch. Yeah, defensively. Yeah, they were they were solid. They weren't incredible, but they were good enough. I think they shot like around 40-something, like 45% or something in the clutch. What about what the game was. Is, yeah. In the clutch, you take that because defense signs up and better players are on the court. So, yeah, I think they were good enough offensively. But, yeah, it was the defense that really stepped up um, and won them the game. All right, uh, so let's take a quick break, uh, and then we will flash backward. All right, we are back. Wasn't that a great opening segment, Anthony? Really good insight yeah. to most of us. I, I, yeah, I don't know what we said yet, but I'm sure it was very good. 
Uh, yeah, anyway, so uh, we are now, uh, from through the magic of technology, uh, we're coming to you from the further past. I guess it's always the past <laughs> podcast, but we are further back in the past now. Anthony is at uh, beautiful Miami International Airport. Uh, one, we, we had a little window to, to record and, and recap really the last couple, really the last week. Um, going back to, I don't know, let's just like kind of run through the week in order because it, it feels like, Everything kind of stacks on top of it itself, right? Over the last week, kind of culminating with, um, you know, they get they get back in the win column on uh, Monday against the Kings, much needed to end the the longest losing streak of the season, and then obviously, uh, whatever happened just now against the Celtics. Um, but so so let's go back to last Wednesday, which is we had recorded before the. The Jimmy Butler kerfuffle, the boondoggle, I don't know what the proper word for it is, uh, the fracas, the, um, the exchange of words, uh, the, the obviously confrontation, was, confrontation, yeah. uh, it was pretty weird, um, you know, and obviously came, you know, I think a lot of people might look at it and be like, this is the root cause of, like, what happened. But to me, it felt like the symptom, right? They they lost a really frustrating game to the Sixers yeah. on Monday. And then Wednesday, when it happened, they were tied at halftime, right, with the, with the Warriors. And the Warriors opened the third quarter on, like, a crazy run. And it happened in the middle of that. What did that get up to? 19 nothing run or something at one point? Um, yeah. It happened in the middle of that as that game was kind of falling apart. Um yeah, what was you? You were obviously there for it. Did you like see it happening? Like, was it? I saw obviously a lot of people from press row were like took videos of it and stuff like that. What was just you? You were there in person. What was the uh, the reaction to it when it happened? And then obviously uh, we'll, we'll we'll go from there. Yeah, I kind of I, I don't really watch timeouts too closely, but for right. some reason this one I start I started watching it from the beginning, and I'm happy I did <laughs> because it was a very eventful one. But yes, I think the Warriors were on a 13-0 run at that point, and Spo was visibly upset. And he usually walks out to the court, talk with his assistant coaches right. before meeting with the players. And you could tell how upset he was. He, he went back to the team, had a very short message, an angry message for them, and kind of just looked at them, like stared at them, and was waiting for a response um, from some of his players. And it seems like Jimmy said something that just, and we don't know what he said, but he said something that just set Spo off and obviously set UD off. It seemed like UD was kind of just defending Spo at that point. Um, but, you know, I know the UD and Jimmy uh, confrontation got most of the attention because of, you know, you could read the lips of UD, um, what he was saying to Jimmy, and, and you don't have to be held back and kind of be separated. But what was most surprising to me was the Spo aspect of it. You rarely see Spo that publicly emotional, right? Ever, and it wasn't just a few. Like he kept going. Like it was like about to, the play was about to resume, and he was still on the court yelling at Jimmy. Um, so I, I think yes, the UD Jimmy um, part was obviously interesting, and it doesn't happen often. But yeah, that that probably happens once a month with those. Two. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. The full aspect is what really surprised me. Just the sign of the show of public emotion, and I, you know, I've been told, and, and it's not surprising. I mean, you've been on this team, David. Like, this stuff happens a lot behind the scenes with every team, but especially a team yeah. full of personalities. With every team, but especially this like, team. When you look at the, yeah. when the most, yeah, it's Jimmy, it's UD, it's it's Kyle Lowry. Like, those are yeah. three of like the 
most famously intense guys in the league. And PJ and, and Spo. I mean, Spo is... And PJ, yeah. I didn't even think about PJ, but yeah. I mean, Spo, I mean, the players said after the game, like, one of the biggest competitors on the on the team is Spo. I mean, he, he looks calm and even right. field to the average fan, but he is pretty, obviously, he's, he, he pushes players, and behind the scenes, he's not, you know, afraid of, of a little confrontation. And, and Jimmy has said that since he arrived here. Like, one of the things he likes about being with the Heat is... They're not afraid of confrontation. Like, they'll tell you how it is, and Jimmy respects that. But I think we kind of saw just the frustration boil over there. And I think you're right. I don't think that was the reason for the frustration. I don't think that was a reason why the Heat were losing, but it was just a sign of how, you know, the frustration level and how kind of bad things were at that point for the team. Yeah, and obviously that that spills over into back-to-back. Well, it became four straight losses. Obviously that was the second loss. Then they lose – Blow a 17-point fourth-quarter lead to the Knicks on a Friday, a game that I was at instead of you. And then on Saturday, uh, I didn't see any of that game, but it seemed like they just got whooped by the Nets. Um, felt like that was not one I needed to go back and, and watch much of. Um, but the – and then obviously you were there, back there on Monday uh, and, and saw them bounce back and blow out the, the Knicks. What just – how have you thought – or sorry, the Kings um, – what have you thought of the way they've responded to that? Because what was interesting to me at that Knicks game was that in the first, you know, like if that was going to spill over and be an issue, they would have just gotten kind of run off the court by the Knicks, right? Like, and Jimmy was awesome uh, right off the bat in that game. Had I think ten five and four in the first quarter, um, hit a buzzer beater in the end of the second quarter, um, and even in the fourth quarter when they were blowing that lead, he was like the one guy who like was kind of do anything on offense. Uh, they missed a ton of threes in that fourth quarter. Um, Bam, I think, had one point. Uh, but I, I thought it was interesting that, you know, it felt like it didn't affect Jimmy too much, but then, you know, obviously it became two losses. Um, Spo was two more losses. Spo was pretty adamant after that next game that it's like it's different. It's not like this is the same as the other ones. It was kind of just their offense fell apart in the fourth quarter, and the Knicks, who shot like 63 pointers, started to hit theirs. Um, but I don't know. You, you were obviously there when they got back in the win column on uh, on Monday. How, how have you thought of how they have responded to this? Obviously, four losses in a row at this time of the year is really not good. Um, but whatever, you know, we're, again, we're recording this before the Celtics game. It feels like that's kind of the pivot point we're waiting on now, how they handle this game that, that just happened um, in the future uh, is <laughs> kind of the uh, – it feels silly almost to talk about it because obviously it's the tied for first in the East, but it feels like this is the the kind of the lesson. If they can go into Boston and put on a good performance and beat the Celtics, then I don't know if it's going to be like all as well because the issues they've had during this losing streak are a lot of the same issues we've been talking about all year, but it's at least going to be like, yeah, this team can still beat anyone essentially. Yeah, I, I think that's right. I mean, I don't want to take any win for granted because the Heat just lost to a 76ers team right. without Embiid and Harden, and they lost to the Knicks, and they lost to Golden State without Steph, Clay, and Draymond. But, I mean, it's hard to really base off anything off of a win versus Sacramento. Yeah. Um, yeah. Kings are just not good. They're missing. They're also missing Sabonis and Fox, the two best players. Um, so, yeah, it was a nice win. They needed it, obviously. A game against the Kings came at a very good time. But I think, yeah, it's hard to really say, like, if they fix any of their issues. Um, we'll, we'll know more after the game versus Boston, especially after this road trip. I mean, they, they very well might lose to Boston, and that doesn't mean they, they're 
back to where they were a week ago. I mean, Boston is very good. Um, they've been almost everybody they face over the last few months, best defense in the NBA. But I think this road trip is important. If they can go 2-1-1 on, on this trip, even if they lose to Boston, I, I still think they have a good shot at the number one seed. I really do. Um, it's going to be tough. I mean, Toronto, Chicago, Boston, I mean, that's a really tough trip, three really tough games, Toronto on a back-to-back. Um, but, you know, the, the game versus Boston, win or lose, I, I think the way they play, the way they look, the way the offense looks against a really elite defense like Boston is going to tell us a lot about if these changes to the rotation actually helped the offense and the quote-unquote spacing as players said after the game versus Sacramento where they played a lot of lineups with Jimmy and a bunch of shooters and kind of didn't, you know, try to free up Jimmy to, to do what he did a few years ago in the finals where he had a lot of open yeah. space to attack, make plays for himself, make plays for others. So that's interesting and definitely worth monitoring. Um, but again, it came against the Kings, which are the third worst defense in the NBA. So I think the Boston game, this road trip, is going to tell us a lot about kind of where this team is um, as the playoffs are just a few weeks away. Yeah, it's probably pre, you know, and maybe we'll talk about this in the first segment that we're going to record later, but just did this skid, this four games, the way they played, the way that they were frustrated, the way um, they blew leads, all that, the way that, like we said, a lot of the things we've been talking about all year kind of came to a head and I don't know, do you feel like the Heat got exposed at all? Do you feel different about their, like, chance to make the finals coming off of a four-game skid like that than you did before? Or are you of the, the mind where it's it's every team goes through a losing streak, it's just the Heats came with ten games left in the year? Yeah, I, I think the timing of it is what's most concerning. Like right. you said, there's, no, there's not many games left to figure it out. And yeah. this issue, even through the winning, you and I have talked about it, David, it, with the offense, is it, it's been a consistent issue that's followed yeah. the team, even through the wins. I mean, they have a really good clutch record, but that's with them being having like one of the worst clutch offenses in the NBA and not a you know pretty mediocre half court offense like that's not a recipe yeah. for success. Again, a lot, a lot of the reason they have a good clutch record is because they are blowing leads to get yeah. into those clutch exactly. situations. So they are always the team up five instead of chasing. Right. Exactly. So you know these aren't these issues weren't actually you know that surprising. I would say it just kind of re- actually resulted in losses this time, and they right. couldn't hang on against Philly. They couldn't hang on against New York. Um, you know, those teams actually made a few tough shots and some threes that, that you know, were the difference in the game. That maybe yeah, the, the Knicks game, if, if that happens just, like, in the middle of a four-game yeah. winning streak, like, if it just separates two Yeah, the Knicks hit some streaks. tough shots. Yeah, yeah some, like, it was just really kind of weird. Shots. Like, the Knicks took, like, 60 threes. They made a bunch right. of them. It just didn't come at a good time, obviously. Yeah, exactly. But, yeah, the, I think what's most concerning is this team is still trying to figure out its rotation and its um, – even its starting lineup – yeah, <laughs> um, with, there's a handful of games left, and that you know, yes, this team's depth is is really good, and they've dealt with players being in and out of the lineup throughout the season. Uh, but at this point of the year, you don't want to be having questions of who's in the rotation, what lineups work, these massive rotation changes where you're, you know, now Victor Oladipo, Marquise Morris are not in the rotation, and Duncan Robinson's coming off the bench. Like that, this is not the time you want to be dealing with that. So I think that's the most concerning thing. And yes, the offense, there are issues, there are obvious issues that they have to deal with. Um, I think the hope is that this, these new lineups will help with that, but I still don't know. We're going to have to – and we probably won't know entering the playoffs. There's just not enough time to, to really see, gauge how how much this will help fix some of their offensive problems. Um, so I, I think my bottom line is this team is going to enter the playoffs, whether it's a one seed, two seed, three seed, or four seed. There's still a lot of question marks um, no matter what. 
Yeah, it's very much a situation where they could be out in the first round, or I still feel like they could make the finals. I, you know, I, I don't know if they. I feel I don't feel as good about that as I did two weeks ago. Um, not that you know, I always thought it was going to be tough for them to beat Milwaukee and and you know the East is just so deep that odds were never like in their favor. Um, but again, they still you know they could get Brooklyn in the first round and Brooklyn could knock them out right away, or they could. Uh, you know, get the two seed and, uh, you know, avoid a couple, you know, uh, I don't know, maybe play Toronto in the first round and win, and then you get uh, Philly in the second round and Jimmy Butler gets some revenge on them or whatever, and they're right back in the East Finals, and you never know what happens. Um, but, it's yeah, it's very much, uh, you know, every, every team in the East, you know, Brooklyn obviously had, what, a 10-game losing streak at one point this year. Um, Milwaukee had, you know, they were kind of like a 500 team for like all of like January and, and February, I think. And, uh, every, every team in the East, obviously, you know, Boston was terrible in the first half of the year. Every one of these like East contenders, honestly, Philly's kind of been pretty steady all the way too, but, um, other than the Heat had kind of had like a, a period of a reckoning where it was like, they had these issues, they have to fix these, um, and again, sometimes like the timing, you know, if you look on like the long span of a season, like the timing, you can be like, all right, everyone goes through this. Like it's just a matter of when it happens, but that's not totally true, right? Because teams, we are now 70 games plus in teams of 70 games of tape to study the heat and that kind of stuff. And, um, you know, the heat have had 70 games to try to figure things out. And while everyone else is, either playing better or, or kind of finding themselves the heat um, or not right now. And it matters. It matters when it happens because every game does not take place in a vacuum. Every game is a product of the games that, that happened before it. And for the heat, um, you know, they're trending downward and you, again, most of these teams have been able, when they hit these downward trends, the good teams are typically able to, like adjust to the adjustments that the league are making. Um, and, you know, the Heat could do that, but like you said, there's just not a lot of time left for it. And, you know, there is like the worry, like, have they, not they, have they been solved? Cause it's not like teams are like defending them differently and stuff like that. But like, you know, we, we talked, I think we talked about it last week or the week before, like teams can kind of defend them certain ways uh, in fourth quarters once we get to the playoffs and it can give them trouble. And, uh, again, there's there it's the issues that have been there all along, and they're just kind of not getting better. And we're seventy plus games in, and you would like them to start getting better. Yeah, it's also uh, a product of like it's also a product of like three point shots not going in too. I mean, right? I mean, some of that they're, is, they're, well, they're, it's like PJ Tucker shot fifty yeah. or fifty percent from three for the first two thirds of the season, and now yeah, you know he's still over forty, but like yeah. he's yeah. he's. Crashed out of like the top ten in the league in percentage, I think, over the last couple of weeks, and um, and, 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 that's, know, and that makes with, a huge difference. Yeah, and that's with like their half court offense was you know twelve, thirteenth most of the year with them having at one point. I don't know if they still are at this point, but probably not. But a few weeks ago, they were the best three point shooting team in the league. In December, they had their best three point shooting month, you know, in franchise history. Yeah. So those numbers, those metrics are kind of propped up with you know with kind of the outlier of that that three point shooting when. Bam and Jimmy were out and they're winning all those games, you know, while shooting, making 23s um, a game. Um, so, you know, they hit a cold spell with shooting and sometimes it's as simple as that. Also the rebounding, they're rebounding 
has been good for most of the year, but for the past few weeks, it has been among the worst. Yeah. And those extra shots have also helped the offense a lot. So you just combine all of that. It's just a perfect storm. Um, this team is never going to be a top five offensive team, but they got to find a way to at least play like a top 10 offense, especially in the half court in the playoffs. And I think these moves in the rotation were, you know, obviously the goal is to be that. I mean, it's with offense in mind, obviously not defense. They're trying to be a better offensive team. Um, and that's kind of going to be the, I think it's going to, it's going to dictate what, how far this team goes. I mean, we know they're a very good defensive team. Yeah. Um, but how good can they be offensively? What's their, you know, can they reach top 10 level uh, in the, for the playoffs? Again, there's not much time, and I think that's the biggest concern. Yeah, let's, let's wrap up there because, uh, obviously, on Monday night, Max Struess goes into the starting lineup in place of Duncan Robinson. I, I feel like it was two weeks ago we were like, is Max Struess even going to be in the playoff rotation? Um, so that's where we're at with the Heat, where they are uh, kind of like all of us, like really trying to figure out yeah. what this team is exactly. I, I, what did you I, think I, of that move? I think last yeah, I think last week we were talking about also Marquise being the new backup center. And yeah. now he's out of the rotation. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, things are changing really fast. They're obviously trying to figure things out. And I don't know. I mean, I, I still think – I don't know about the move in the starting lineup. I mean, that lineup with Duncan has been very good this year. It's been yeah, the I was surprised this by that. Um, and I don't really know the difference. I mean, I know they're different players. They do different, some of the different things. But how the way the, the starting lineup functions, is it much different with Struess in there instead of Duncan? I just don't know. Um, I thought the more interesting part of the, the changes were Vic and Marquise being out. And, you know, nobody's blaming them for the losses. But incorporating two guys like that this late in the year is just tough, especially like Victor, who's, you know, a high-usage guy who you're just going to stick into the bench rotation with Tyler and play him with, with Kyle as well. It just it changes the offense. And, you know, nobody's going to single out uh, Vic and, and Marquise, but you could tell, like Bam said after the game, when I asked him kind of why the offense – Hit a rough patch last few weeks. He said, "You know, we're, we were finally healthy, and we had like 14, 15 guys that deserve a spot in the rotation, and we just couldn't find the right lineup. There were just too many guys. Um, so again, I don't think they're blaming them, like those two specifically, but it, it just, it just, I think the, the rotation was too crowded, and they needed to kind of provide some clarity to the guys of this is how we want to play. These are the lineups we're going to go to." And again, I don't know if they've reached that point yet. It's only been one game with this. Right. Now that we're recording this, but I think over the next couple of weeks of the regular season, they're going to try to find that clarity and find a set rotation that they know, okay, this is, these are the nine guys we're going with. Um, most nights, you know, other than maybe based on a matchup, we do, do one switch or foul trouble, but these are the nine we're going to go with um, consistently. Yeah, I think uh, the optimist's view of, of the last uh, week plus is – until, you know, for the basically until Marquise and, and Old Depot got back, this team was, was rolling and it was, you had to try to integrate them because the ceiling, they had a chance to, you know, they could have made you go from being one of, you know, in there with, the, you know, one of the top four, top five in the East, I guess now with, with Boston, clearly you, you got to talk about them, I think, in that conversation now too, um, to being like on the top end of that. Uh, group or you know top two rather than than in this this mass of teams uh, because of the way they can elevate your ceiling. Obviously, you know Victor Oladipo has been an All Star in the past. Uh, Markeith Morris is you know gave you a different dimension, especially on the offensive end with his floor spacing ability at center, and you know has had he's never been an All Star, but has 
you know, at points in his career has been like a top 50 guy in the league probably. So you knew the ceiling that those guys can reach. You had to try doing it. Um, and I think the optimist view is they, they tried it and maybe it did not work. And now they can go back to what they were doing well. It's obviously always easier said than done to do that. And like we said, there were issues even at the start of the year um, that, that have manifested over the last couple of weeks. But um, I think there is, you know, if, if the Heat, what, how many games will be left after this Boston game? Eight? Seven? Five games left. Five. five. Okay. You know, if they go 5-0 and oh in the last five games and it's with the tightened rotation, it'll, be, it'll feel like everything's fine. But, again, yeah, that's definitely. probably not yeah. going to happen. Right. I mean, including this Boston game, there's six games left. If they can go four and two over that stretch, I still think, again, they have a pretty good chance of getting the one seed. Um, but there's just – you don't know what to expect from this team at this point because there's so many questions like we've talked about the last 20 minutes – and, again, that is the biggest concern. At this point of the year, when we thought we had this team figured out, when we really probably shouldn't have because they've never really had their team fully healthy. Yeah. Um, and now that they do, um, more questions have popped up. So, yeah, I agree. Like, this team could be in the Eastern Conference Finals, and I wouldn't be shocked. But this team could also lose in the first round if they have a bad matchup, and I wouldn't be shocked. Um, and that's not a great place to be uh, at this point of the year. Yeah, and that always kind of was the case because of the Brooklyn thing hanging out there, but now it just feels less certain than ever, less stable than ever. Definitely, definitely. And, again, not a good timing for that. I think, and that's... Right, that's the, the point thing. Point it's all about timing. If this is happening it's, it's in, all about the timing, yeah. If this was happening the first January, week of January, no one would care. Right. You would think about, oh, it's mid-season, it's the dog days of the year, but the fact that it's happening now, um, that's, that's, to me, the biggest problem. Yeah. Um, all right, I think we can wrap up there. Anthony, you have not watched Winning Time yet, have you? Because I finally got caught up, and there's a the third episode is very Pat Riley-centric, and uh, it's pretty good, good stuff. It's, it's very interesting because Pat Riley, you know, our age, Pat Riley has always been the godfather, right? He's always been the coolest guy in the room, essentially. And the, where the show picks up, you know, it's basically I think he's just retired – he is, like, 35 years old or something at the time, um, and he, like, has no idea what to do with his life. He wants to be back in basketball, so he uh, is trying to be the announcer, the, the Chick Hearns color guy. Um, and uh, so he, oh, he he's not even coaching yet. He's in The third episode is about him trying to get back in the, in the, in the, the Lakers' orbit. Uh, it's, like, kind of like this has-been, like, guy who – feels like he's has a chance to waste the rest of his life. Um, again, I, this is all dramatized, so I, I haven't read the book, so I'm not sure how accurate it is. But, um, yeah, and then he becomes eventually the – he's the uh, color guy and the travel secretary for the Lakers, I guess, at the start of the Showtime era. So it's, it's just a very different Pat Riley. Um, and obviously, you know, Adrian Brody, who's won an Academy Award, is playing him. So it's a, it's a good performance and all that stuff, too. And it's like the hippie Riley. Like we always kind of know there's that like hippie Riley side that exists, right? Because he's like from the seventies, and like you know, you see the way he like dances at Halloween parties and stuff. And it's it's that side of Riley. He's got the long hair, playing basketball in Venice Beach. Um, you know, he's he's got it's a different side of Riley. You know, he's obviously this is fifty years ago, um, so it's a it's a different character now. But it's it's funny to to see. 
I promise that I will watch and catch up. Maybe on this road trip, uh, I will binge some episodes. Yeah, it's it's very entertaining. Um, the guy who plays Magic Johnson is really good. Um, so is the guy who plays Kareem. I think is very good. Um, and uh, Jason Siegel has now popped up. He's playing uh, Paul Westhead. So uh, it's a real murderer's row in terms of like the actors in it. All right, I, I might have to get HBO Max. I'm not sure yet. I don't even know if I have HBO Max, but I'll figure <laughs> it out. I'll I'll, I'll right. to watch it. I promise. I, I'm very curious if I'm. I kind of doubt Pat Riley's watching. But I'm very curious what he would think if he was watching. I yeah, it's interesting. I wonder if he is watching. I, I wouldn't be shocked if he's watching, or at least keeping tabs on what's going on. Um, yeah, I think there was some reporting name, after you know? the first episode where where Jerry West kind of seems like a uh, a jerk in it. Um, although I think that he just had a really good character arc with him. I think there was some reporting that he was not happy with the portrayal of his character after the first couple episodes. So I'm sure he's at least keeping tabs on it, like you said. Yeah. But they're busy I, I, right now. They're, they're trying to figure out what the hell to do with this, this basketball team. Um, yeah, but maybe maybe on these off days, you know, on the road trip, like like me, you know, in a hotel on a free night, watch an episode of yourself. And, uh, yeah, why not? Exactly. <laughs> All right. Uh, you can follow Anthony on Twitter at Anthony underscore Chang. He's got to catch a plane up to Boston. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at DD Wilson 2 uh, Thanks, as always, for listening, everyone, and we will talk to you guys next week.